Hello and welcome to another edition of the Short Side Option Podcast. We welcome you to Season 2 of the Short Side Option Podcast as uh, we take a look uh, back to K-State's 83-71 loss to the Marquette Golden Eagles in a, in a game that was played last Saturday, as well as uh, continue uh, to look back on uh, the retirement of Bill Snyder and uh, what is next for K-State at the uh, as the next head football coach. Uh, of course, last week uh, when we uh, brought this uh, podcast to you, uh, we had uh, shared a report via GoEma.com uh, that Seth Luttrell would be the next head coach at K-State, and that is something we still uh, you know firmly believe, uh, and it's we we believe it's just a matter of time. Uh, I'm going to bring in here my co-host, D. Louie, here. Uh, I guess I shouldn't say we believe. I, 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 should, I should only speak for myself. I believe, but I'm under the same impression that, that you're on the same page with me as that. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, like you mentioned, uh, Pete over on Go Ema, uh first reported it, and then we reported it shortly after based on uh, that source. And I think we are the first and only podcast in the country to be reporting this, and, and I'm proud to, to have been a part of that. And I think they're just probably, you know, getting the nitty-gritty on the contract negotiations ironed out, dotting some T's, crossing some I's, and uh, getting that all taken care of. Um, I know that, you know, I was reviewing what Latrell's buyout is over, you know, trying to get exactly what his contract looks like and what it'll take what it'll cost Kansas State to actually hire him because uh, you see different sources saying different things. One site said it was up over $3 million. My estimation is that it's well below that amount, somewhere in between $1 to $2 million. But uh, I'm sure that's uh, figured out, and they're just uh, working on some finer details than that. But any day I would expect a, an announcement to be made. Yeah, I think that uh, pretty pretty much uh, eloquently says our position on it. You know, of course, we uh, have a well on good authority uh, coming from a man of uh, Pete at Goema's stature. Yeah, absolutely. I, I wouldn't trust anybody else to break that news. I wouldn't. I wouldn't have felt comfortable reporting it uh, before Pete did, just because you never know with these things. Because there's a lot of crazy rumors out there and a lot of. People trying to get out there to be first rather than being right, but uh, we had the prudence to wait until uh, Pete from GoLima.com uh, was comfortable to go forward with it, and if he's comfortable, then I'm comfortable. Absolutely, I think that's uh, I think that's well put. Um, so let's transition here a little bit uh, into uh, into basketball. It was of course a disappointing performance uh, by K State as they drop uh, one on the road to. To a pretty darn good uh, Marquette Golden Eagle team, I was there, saw it uh, in person, and you know it was a game that K State uh, had led for pretty much uh, most of the first half, and then uh, some things got going uh, the other way for K State. Of course, Marcus Howard, uh, phenomenal game from him. It was really a kind. I mean, it, it feels weird to say when another uh, player goes off uh, against your team, but it was. He put on quite a performance, and it was quite a show uh, to be there for as he poured in 43 points uh, against K-State uh, as, as the Eagles, or the Golden Eagles, excuse me, uh, got uh, 83 points. Uh, didn't really even shoot that well behind the three-point line, uh, but did 
most of their damage at the foul line. And, uh, of course, anyone that watched the game uh, has some uh, critiques and opinions probably uh, regarding the officiating. Of course, K-State was hamstrung uh, with Xavier Sneed getting two fouls early on and then Barry Brown uh, picking up his second foul and also receiving a technical foul for his third personal foul uh, that sent him to the bench um, at about the 8.30 mark of the first half. And from that point on, uh, Marquette really controlled it. At that at the time that uh, Brown picked up his third foul and went to the bench for the remainder of the half, it was 20-17 to K-State. Uh, and then, of course, with uh, the two fouls, Marquette uh, sunk all four free throws to take a 21-20 lead. Uh, that 21-20 lead uh, was never surrendered uh, by uh, the Golden Eagles as they uh, put some further distance between K-State uh, throughout the remainder of the first half and uh, kind of coasted uh, to a win on uh, last Saturday. Yeah, and you can't forget about uh, the bell cow fouling out as well. Mm-hmm. On 19 minutes of action, picking up five fouls. Bell had a pretty nice game, actually, uh, getting 12 points in his 19 minutes, but... <clears throat> yeah, K-State's backcourt in this game just left a lot to be desired. Brown and Stokes combined going 6 of 20 from the field, uh, going 2 of 9 from long distance. That's uh, that's not going to get it done against a quality team uh, like Marquette. I don't think Marquette's a world beater, though uh, Marcus Howard certainly played like one on Saturday. But against a quality team... You know your guards are going to have to step up and uh, perform, especially considering K State's backcourt is supposed to be a strength of this team. Yeah, and when you look at uh, when you look at the numbers, Marquette's eleven of seventeen. Uh, well, for for uh, Marcus Howard, eleven of seventeen uh, from the field, only four of ten from three points. So he was he uh, the only shots he missed were three pointers, uh, but nineteen of twenty one from the foul line. I don't know of the last time uh, an individual shot that many free throws against K-State, uh, but when you, that guy is just uh, carving us up when it comes to uh, the pick-and-roll game and also uh, finding uh, you know, finding open guys off that and, and dishing around and getting K-State out of rotation defensively, he was a problem really from the jump ball uh, on Saturday. Yeah, not only did he find ways to get to the line, but when you shoot – Ninety percent uh, shooting twenty-one free throws. Uh, that's that's pretty impressive. So you you hope that that's just a blip on the radar. A performance like that against K State, because you know you think of K State's backcourt, and you think okay, there are some guys who can defend here. Sure. And so that's that's more than a little concerning when when a guy like that really goes off for forty-five points. Man alive. Um, you know, one thing I also want to. Uh, touch on too, and this is in relate in regard to uh, the foul situation for K State that they were suffering in that first half. I did see a stat, uh, I, and I can't remember who it was, but I saw it on Twitter that uh, during the the forty minute contest, K State had their starting lineup out there for under five minutes, I believe, uh, where the starters were all out there on the court together. So it, that just speaks to. Uh, you know how the foul trouble really got K State in a bind, playing guys that, quite frankly, uh, I mean, when I look here at the um, look here at the box score, uh, Sean Neal Williams getting 12 minutes, uh, Mike McGurl getting 21 minutes, 
uh, Cartier Jada getting 20 minutes. Uh, you feel good about all those guys getting into the game and playing. However, uh, that minute threshold is probably a little bit more than you'd expect to see. Yeah, you don't really want uh, Neil Williams and McGurl combining for over half an hour of on-court time. Uh, those guys combined uh, one of nine from the field um, and one of seven from three-point line. So it wasn't exactly an energetic burst from those two, and they were certainly on the court for a long time. Um, and I think that's just a product of, of, like you mentioned, the foul trouble. Um, and whether that's officiating making poor calls or just bad defense, um, it's, it's, it was a problem on Saturday, and it's going to be something that K-State has to fix moving forward. Yeah, I, I hate to really dwell too much on the officiating. There was some ticky-tack stuff, no doubt, but uh, Marquette also uh, probably had some legitimate gripes during that game, uh, a similar situation after uh, one of their players picked up a foul. They got a technical as well that gave K-State – uh, four points, but uh, you know, with the with the uh, two sets of two on the made free throws there from the common foul and the technical foul, but uh, Marquette was a better team on Saturday, and, and they uh, they certainly deserve to win. Uh, Icon, tell me a little bit about the Marquette game day environment. Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, so it was a good crowd. It wasn't exactly a full house by any stretch, but a nice turnout. Uh, weather was. Uh, Far from far from great in terms of getting there is a uh, spit and rain at you and really windy, but it was a, it was a good atmosphere, really beautiful arena. Um, one of the, I believe, the newest arena in uh, the NBA, and you know, with it being an NBA arena, you don't quite get um, you know the college feel of a of a uh, of a game that you might see on on a team's home flo- floor in the Big 12 like uh Allen Fieldhouse uh or you know Hilton Coliseum yeah the Piss Barn uh, as, as we all know it um but I would say that it was a good atmosphere uh Marquette fans showed out pretty well they had a laser light show and a um you know pyrotechnics after the first media timeout there frisbee dogs out there? No frisbee dogs, or at nah, least not that man. I recall. Uh, but they uh, they did a nice job. Uh, they got uh, they got the crowd involved, and uh, with the play of the Marquette, it was easy to keep them involved. I do want to go back though uh, to the game real quick, and and when dealing with the foul trouble, one uh, critique that I have uh, for Coach Bruce Weber, and it's a a critique that I've had for a number of years now since he's taken over at Kansas State, is his insistence on. Uh, benching players no matter what in the first half once they pick up that second foul. Uh, did it with Xavier Sneed. Did it with Barry Brown. Uh, obviously, once Barry got three, he was you know there was really no other option at that point. You have to uh, set him on the bench uh, for the remainder of the half. But uh, during that stretch after that, um, where where Brown picked up his his third personal foul. K State uh, was really having to go with a lineup of like Trice, and Dean that was Wade. with eight and a half minutes left in the half. Yeah, exactly. And that was that that stretch right there is really what um, made it really difficult for K State uh, to get back into the game. So at that point, uh, K State was down by four, or down by yeah, down by four. Excuse me, and. Um, or no, they were down by one. Excuse me. And then uh, shortly thereafter, four. 
But during that stretch, uh, when K-State was just really had kind of an odd lineup out there, I believe Sean Neal Williams was out there, McGurl, uh, Jada, uh, Wade, uh, Trice was getting a lot of minutes during that time, but just not a great lineup to have out there that, that can really carry you for a while uh, with all those guys uh, getting in and out of there uh, during that final eight minutes. And quite frankly, that's what cost K-State. Uh, the game was was not being able to close out that half, getting it to a uh, to a you know more tight margin. It was 11 points uh, disparity at halftime. And of K-State really never threatened after that, uh, getting it to single digits maybe once or twice. But... Uh, to me, I would like to see uh, Coach Weber uh, ride a little bit more with guys that have two fouls. This is a very experienced team, and uh, you know, typically when you have two fouls, you can you can still play effectively by not picking up and not pick up the third. So I'd like to see him give a little bit longer leash to to some of these players uh, once they pick up their second foul in the first half. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to blame him too much on Saturday taking Barry out just because of the yeah, Barry, third foul. Yeah, Barry Brown had to come out with three, but uh, this isn't just uh, uh, this game case. It, it's, uh, it's a consistent thing that he does throughout the season, or throughout any season that he's been the coach at Kansas State. Uh, I remember uh, when I was being a basketball manager, Will Sproul would pick up two fouls, and he would go to the bench, and this is a guy who had never fouled out in his entire career at K-State up to that point. Uh, but when you put him on the bench for as long as that is, it's tough to get the guy back into a rhythm uh, of the game. And also, uh, when it's an important player on your team, can uh, really get you in a hole that's that's tough to cl- climb out of in the second half. Yeah, when Barry did did go back in, didn't have a ton of success um, in any respect, really. And so that maybe that uh, long break contributed to that. Well, and it was disappointing to see Marcus Howard uh, just really, like I said, abuse K-State pick and roll. Uh, Marquette does a great job of spacing uh, the floor, getting guys in the corners uh, that really spreads out the uh, about, really spreads out the defense and makes uh, those rotations very difficult. So when you're getting beat off the dribble and getting beat off pick and roll, you know, at the start, uh, having to scramble and and help and you know cover a lot of ground while doing it, uh, it's extremely tough to do. Well, do you have anything else on the Marquette game? You know, not really. Um, I would encourage Wildcat fans. You know, there's I've seen a little bit of talk that oh, this team's overrated. This team wasn't the 12th ranked team in the country. You know, yada yada yada. Um, you know, I would. It's it's a small blip on the radar, if if anything. Uh, Marquette's a perfectly capable team. They're going to be an NCAA tournament team, and it's going to be a team that challenges, uh, you know, in that upper echelon of the Big East this year. Uh, going on the road, it's going to be a tough environment to play in. I thought K State, uh, you know, didn't play obviously well enough to win, but it, it's something I wouldn't take uh, too much concern in going forward. All right, and on Saturday, Kansas State heads south. To the land of Latrell, uh, where they will play against Tulsa at the Reynolds Center. Icon, does uh, what do you see when you look at the Tulsa Basketball Club? So I watched Tulsa actually last night. Uh, we're recording this on Thursday evening. Watched them last night get a nice victory over uh, the Oklahoma State Cowboys. And that's a huge rivalry game. Yeah, you know, it looked like it was a packed house. Uh, of course, Oklahoma State had several of their fans uh, made about a 70-mile trip uh, from Stillwater to Tulsa. But uh, Tulsa, 
you know, not a bad team, kind of a middle-of-the-road team in the American Conference. Uh, they do have, uh, you know, some decent players. I was uh, particularly impressed uh, the other night, um, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, with Corey Henderson, or not excuse me, Corey Henderson, that's last year, uh, Sterling Taplin, thought he played real well. Um, but really, when you have to look at uh, what K-State is going to have to do to beat Tulsa, it, it's pretty simple to me. Going to have to really uh, you know, lock down on the dribble drive stuff. Uh, this Tulsa team is kind of similar uh, to, the, uh, to Marquette in terms that they're going to try to you know, go pick and roll, space you out, and uh, win the, that individual matchup right off the top. Uh, on the on the pick and roll and be able to uh, to cut you apart by making the extra pass and uh, and beat you that way. Uh, not a great uh, shooting team. Uh, Ken Palm has them rated uh, the 127th ranked team in the country. He dropped K State down to 22. Uh, but if you if you look back at last year uh, when K State lost to Tulsa at the uh, down in Wichita, the Interest Bank Arena. Uh, it was kind of a similar uh, ratings here. Tulsa was uh, ranked 122 at, or 121 at the time. Uh, K State 33rd. So uh, K State obviously knows that this Tulsa team is a is a dangerous team. Uh, having seen what they did to Oklahoma State just the other night, and uh, what they did to the Wildcats last season. Looks like uh, Tulsa plays four guards at the start of their games. What does uh, how does K State field that attack defensively? Well, when you look at what K-State uh, can do, K-State, with, with Maywean and with Wade, they start two bigs, uh, you, you would classify that. But also, Dean Wade can move pretty well out on the perimeter. Uh, I would expect you to see Tulsa continue to, to play those four guards and space K-State out. But, you know, K-State's one of the best defensive teams in the country. Uh, you know, Kim Palm rates them fifth overall in defensive efficiency. So I think this, this matchup plays fine for K-State. In terms of individual matchups, uh, you've got guys like Barry Brown and Xavier Sneed that will really be able to, to guard uh, one through four out there. Um, I don't think the size will, will give K-State any, any problems at all. And I do look for K-State to exploit their size uh, on the offensive end. I think uh, both Belkow and Dean Wade, uh, this is a game that's tailor-made for them and, and able to, uh, to get some baskets on the other end. So what you're saying is you think Belkow is just going to feast. Yeah, he's going to be chopping on glass, or chopping on grass, cleaning the glass, baby. That's what that's he's right. going to be doing. That's right. Well, that'll, that'll be exciting. Do you, have a, uh, do you have a score prediction for us? Yeah, um, I'll go K-State. Uh, I think K-State gets above 70, 75 points. I'm going to go about 78. Uh, I'm going to go Tulsa. 67, 78-67, K-State. Uh, via, via Ken Palm here, I'm going to pull this up real quick. It looks like K-State is a 74-67 to 67 is the projected score, so about a seven-point spread. So uh, for those that are interested in such thing, uh, that's probably what you're going to see the spread at, uh, somewhere in that seven-point neighborhood uh, come Saturday morning. All right. Anything, anything to add on the, on the uh, Golden Hurricane? Um, no, nothing really much to add on the Golden Hurricane. I do want to say that this is kind of a, a, a stretch here, this three-game stretch of, of Marquette, Tulsa, and Georgia State. Uh, that, that is a pretty good three-game stretch for K-State. Uh, Marquette, uh, of course, the most um, noteworthy of those three opponents. Uh, but Tulsa, of course, what we saw last night uh, with them 
getting getting Oklahoma State and and beating them. Uh, but also Georgia State's a solid team. Uh, went on the road to Alabama uh, earlier in the week and uh, notched a win on the road. Uh, not a great Alabama team, but an Alabama team that's uh, you know kind of a bubble team in the SEC. So definitely a a an opponent that'll catch your eye. But these three games um, give K State uh, a little bit of momentum here, as uh, we really believe it or not are about ready to close out non-con play and. And uh, at the start of uh, start of January, uh, we start conference play. So uh, non-conference season uh, got only about uh, a month left of that. So we're we're moving right on through. All right, that's good stuff from you, Icon. That's good stuff. All right. Well, after this short break, we will come back to you with our Wildcat legend, with Ask the Icon, and maybe some other fun surprises. Coming up on the other side of this break, we'll be back with the short side option. All right, welcome back to this week's edition of the short side option, where we are now getting into our weekly segment we call This Week's Wildcat Legend. And Icon, this week's Wildcat legend is a legend of the hardwood. He's oh, a legend wow. of the Bram of, of Bramwich Coliseum. This is a recruit who was brought in by the man in the neck brace, Jim Woldridge himself. That's right. He came from... He was born overseas. Okay. He was a forward. He's from Côte d'Ivoire. That's the Ivory Coast. Mm-hmm. He's none other than the medicine man himself, Serge Afeli. Mm-hmm. Serge Afeli, of course, 6'9", 235, from the Ivory Coast, number 14, had a really legendary career uh, for the Wildcats. Just a, a big forward who could move gracefully, had a wicked shot, um, one game in particular. Do you know where I'm going with this? I... I believe I do. What game am I talking about? You're talking about his game against the Rams of Colorado State. This one, Smith on the other end. Whoa! Get that shot out of here. Serge Afeli comes in. That's exactly right. Mm-hmm. Against the Rams, Afeli logged 21 minutes, had 14, count them, 1-4, four, 14 points and 7 boards uh, in the 84-83 loss to Colorado State. Uh, but Sergio Felli, he had a great career. I was watching a highlight video uh, of him earlier today. Uh, if you want to look for it on YouTube, it's called Sergio Felli Amazing Highlights. Uh, the poster is Afeli14, if you want to search I that. I wonder out. if he's related. He could be. The, yeah. You mean the guy who uploaded that in Surge? Yeah, maybe. I, who? I, I have no idea. It's a, it's a guess, but maybe. Maybe. That's uh, all I'm saying is maybe. Yeah, maybe. What, what memories do you have of Serge? Well, uh, dear Louis, thank you so much uh, for highlighting uh, a guy like Serge Afele. But, you know, I remember uh, Serge Afele for his time here at Kansas State. And, and I do hearken back to that game against Colorado State where uh, a game that, if I remember correctly, was not on, on TV, but we were uh, listening 
to it. Me and my uh, me and my dad were listening to that game back home in Scott City, and K State just couldn't get it done that day. Uh, but Serge Afelli was a main reason why K State was in that game, uh, as you. Uh, stated, I believe he scored 14 points. Is that correct? That's right. So he scored his number, which is always, uh, always good. That's what everybody shoots for. for the as, most part. as long as you're not a single digit guy. I mean, yeah, but even even so, if you're like a number four and you put up four points, that's that's pretty impressive. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So you look at Serge Feli, a guy that ultimate team player, uh, didn't have necessarily uh, maybe the biggest role in terms of scoring points. Uh, but his role, uh, he excelled at. And I don't think anyone uh, that watched Serge Afeli, uh during his two years on the hardwood at K-State uh, would say otherwise. Well, one thing I loved about that team was when he and Hoskins would find a rhythm together. Yeah. And they just, that uh, Afeli-Hoskins connection just became, I mean, not to not to steal your name, but it became kind of iconic sure. around Bramlage and, and certainly around the Big 12. Uh, People still talk about it to this day, the, the hoskins Afeli connection. That's exactly right. And uh, to catch up with him now, uh, Mr. Afeli, should I say Dr. Afeli? I think you should. Is, is a pharmacist. He went, to, uh, he, he went to pharmacy school at Presbyterian. That's great. How about that? That's great. So not only is he a, a Wildcat legend on the hardwood, but he's a Wildcat legend... Um, Making medicine or prescri- whatever pharmacists exactly do. <laughs> Count the pills. Yeah. Slide them in just there. Just eyeball yeah. them. And, yeah. Make sure know. that you're you're getting the right number and that yeah. none of the drugs that you you might be taking uh, will uh, you know adversely affect one another. And uh, you know that right there. Not only with his, as you said, his performance on the hardwood, but his performance off the hardwood. Is why he is this week's Wildcat legend. All right, before we get into our final segment on the show, uh, before we get into Ask the Icon, I just want to uh, update our listeners on some news that broke not that long ago. Uh, Ron Prince is a head coach again. Chris? Yes. What do you think about that? Well, um, now I believe I saw it was... Howard University. That's right. Was uh, the institution that uh, Ron Prince will be? Uh, that football program is the one he will be manning. I believe he was working on Jim Harbaugh's staff at Michigan as a as some, an offensive analyst. Yeah, some kind of analyst up there. Well, I no doubt he excelled there, of course, and he's a big reason why Michigan went ten and two this year. Uh, I don't think there's any question about that, but. Uh, good for Ron Prince, um, a much um, much talked about figure, you know. Even since his uh, tenure here at Kansas State, kind of a Wildcat legend in his own right. In his own in his own distinct way, he is definitely a Wildcat legend. So, uh, but yeah, nothing. Wish nothing but the best for Ron. Um, be interesting to follow him uh, throughout his time uh, at Howard. Now, where do you know offhand where Howard is? It's uh, actually. I don't. Is it? I was thinking it's somewhere it was somewhere out east. Yeah, I know it's out east. I was gonna say. Is it in DC or? I was thinking DC. Yeah, DC. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, you know, uh, Ron Prince, the nation capital. That's you right. Gotta, you gotta love it. <laughs> Tell you what, I'd like to see him clean up Congress a little bit, if you know what I mean. I don't want to get too political here. <laughs> yeah, sure. But sure. I wouldn't see mind seeing Ron Prince go into that Capitol building, and start 
kicking hey. some butt. Maybe it's just a uh, maybe he's just planting the seed for that. Maybe he was always scary smart. Baby. You know what? Ron Prince making a run in politics that would actually probably fit him pretty well. Might even fit him better you, than on the sideline. I think so. Can you imagine him on the campaign trail? Oh. He'd be good. Oh, he was he, he was he, impressive in front of a crowd. Yeah, yeah. no question. I saw him. Uh, I believe right after he got hired at Kansas State, uh, made a trip out to Scott City, not for uh, the Scott City Nut Fry, but. Just kind of a, a quick uh, sweep around the state uh, once he got named. I remember that. I because he bounced all over the state mm-hmm. like that day or two. I forget whether he, he did it all in one day or not. But I have a picture uh, with him and a, a good buddy of mine, Austin Davis, out there. Big Dave, if if uh, if you're listening out there, there's your shout out. But uh, yeah, we got our picture taken with them, and at that point, we we were all in. So oh, we were all in because that was right after Freeman was signed. Yeah. And I remember my dad pulled me out of school, and I went over to the 810 zone at Town Center and waited around one morning for Ron Prince to get out there. Mm-hmm. And I remember I shook his hand, and I thought, this man is yeah, that was extremely big, impressive. Yeah, that was a big deal. We plucked him. Uh, we plucked Josh Freeman uh, from Nebraska. And, you know, when you, when you think about... Uh, you know, getting a guy that was that highly rated and a guy, of course, that was a local kid uh, with Josh Freeman. Um, it was hard not to be excited. Definitely hard not to be excited for sure. Well, of course, we wish Ron Prince the best out there at Howard. Uh, I certainly look forward to keeping uh, up with that saga and uh, keeping an eye on who is going to be playing Howard's spring game this year. Maybe they can get the Goo Goo Dolls out there. Oh, if, if with any luck, absolutely. Yeah, maybe Jim Blossoms or somebody else. Sure, I'd sure. go. Uh, Trip to DC for uh, the Howard Spring Game sounds like uh, it might be on the on the radar for the short side option. This that year. <laughs> short side option hits the road. Yeah, that's right. All right, I like that idea. Uh, we're going to get into our final segment on the show. Something called Ask the Icon. And by this point, you know, I'm sure, but if you need a reminder, listeners can submit their questions to the Short Side Options' very own Chris the Icon Sork uh, by hitting us up on Twitter at TSSO underscore podcast or using the uh, hashtag AskTheIcon or texting us or just seeing us on the street or or doing whatever. You know, I want to just barge in here real quick. Uh, Before we get on with this, I didn't have anyone uh, come up on the street and shake me and say, Hey, Icon, I have a question for you. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't see anyone doing that. No, you didn't? No, and I, I thank you for not doing that. I, I appreciate that. I, I don't want to get... Well, know, maybe stuck. this week. Maybe this week. You, ne- you, never, you never know. <clears throat> All right. Well, we're going to get into our first question here. First question comes from listener Ep, uh, or EP, at Johnny underscore Epley Seed. He asks, did hiring Prince scar some fans into believing that a Snyder-named coach is the only one that can win in Manhattan? He also asks, what are some major differences between Seth Luttrell and Ron Prince that make you think he won't uncalm the waters, per se? Okay, well, that's a, that's a really good question. Um, so the first part of that is, you know, did Ron Prince scare people off thinking only Bill Snyder can win here? Um, and I think that that's is potentially, you know, I mean, there's, when you look back at K-State's 
legacy as a football program, really. Bill Snyder's the only coach that had a lot of success here. And um, I think some of it is due uh, to kind of the national narrative about how, oh, K-State, you know, out here in the middle of nowhere, it, it takes a miracle worker like Bill Snyder. He's the only one, He's the only man that's won there. He's the only, That means he's the only man that can ever win there. Mm-hmm. And I think that there's a little bit of, uh, I think, well, not even a little bit, I think there's a lot of fallacy to that. Um, I think K-State is... Now, back maybe in, in 1989, maybe that could have been correct. I, I, I don't question that. But uh, here in 2018, uh, I think K-State is, is a job that you don't have to be a disciple of Bill Snyder uh, to, be, to be successful at. Um, so I, I think that that has a little bit to do, but I also think that it's also a little bit of a, of a media narrative that only one person can win out here. Uh, and of course, with with Ron being the guy that replaced him, and, and didn't have, you know, he didn't have great success. Of course, got to a bowl game his first year, uh, won seven games, and then uh, fills it out and won five games the next two years. But really, when I look at it, I'm not. I don't want to say that winning five games is acceptable and not that bad. But you know, there are a lot of programs out there that do a lot worse. Uh, like let's say KU, let's say Rutgers. Not saying that that, but it wasn't the monumental, absolute, devastating failure that I think others put on him. Would you agree with that? Oh yeah, I do. Actually, um, I people ridicule Prince because you know I think it's mostly due to the fact that his record against Missouri, Kansas, and, and Nebraska. Nebraska. Sure. Uh, but from a straight wins loss perspective. He wasn't that bad. I mean, it was his worst season was this season last year for K State. Sure. And if anything, the Ron Prince uh, era just tells you that K State doesn't accept five win seasons. Um, but it wasn't anything close to resembling the the crash and burn of something like KU over the last decade, or or even Iowa State in most years um, over the last. You know, for the entirety of their history, I guess. But uh, it, it wasn't up to K-State standards, but it wasn't abysmal. Yeah. And, you know, the other thing, too, is when I, I was looking back at this the other day, and Ron Prince, in his three years at K-State, where he, you know, had his own recruiting classes, pretty darn good recruiting classes. Um, you know, in the mid-30s, which is the highest K-State's been uh, in, in some time. So... He did do a good job of bringing in some talent, but brought in Colin Klein. Yeah, as as a wide receiver, but he did bring him in. Can you imagine Klein running that Ron Prince offense? <laughs> Would have been a thing of beauty, <laughs> thing of beauty. But uh, to get to Epps' second part of his question there, with what differentiates Ron Prince from Seth Luttrell, of course, uh, there's two things that stick out to me. First off, uh, Luttrell has head coaching experience, as you may or may not remember. Ron Prince was. Offensive coordinator and offensive line coach at uh, the University of Virginia. So, uh, Seth Luttrell's been a head coach uh, now for three years uh, at North Texas. So, he has that experience of running the program, albeit at uh, at the Group of Five level. But a a guy that's ran his own program and, and has run it pretty successfully here uh, for the last uh, three years. Also. Uh, the geographical aspect of it. Uh, Ron Prince coming from the coast 
didn't really quite have the connections here uh, throughout Oklahoma and Texas. <laughs> Junkin City, man. Ju- well, that's true, but, it, you know, most of his time was spent. Eh, he's a Kansas man at heart. Kansas man at heart. Well, uh, Seth the Troll's uh, an Okie from Muskogee. That's true. And uh, he has connections all throughout uh, Oklahoma and Texas, which have been fertile recruiting grounds. Uh, for K-State, when you look back at when they've been successful, uh, plucked some really good players out of both Oklahoma and Texas. So I think from a geographical fit, uh, it's also better than, than Ron Brinson. I think those are – I you know I could go on and on, but I think those are the two biggest uh, stars besides Seth the Troll's name. All right, our next question comes from the Great White North. Big Dog in Madison. Big Dog asks, uh, which other K-State players – uh, can fans expect to transfer besides Alex Delton? Wow, that's a really good question. Um, I don't really f- feel comfortable speculating because once um, once uh, Latrell is going to be named as head coach, I think that'll give guys kind of that opportunity to think. I would say the guys that we, we had mentioned before um, – of course, Isaiah Zuber and, and Bill Snyder have been at odds. Um, there have been rumors about Skylar Thompson, um, you know, maybe being on the outs. Wonder if maybe, and the rumor had always been, and this has been dating back to last season, maybe the season before, was that uh, Missouri would be a likely landing spot for him. But with uh, Missouri uh, gaining the services of, of Clemson transfer Kelly Bryant. I think that makes that landing spot uh, not as not likely at all now. So I, I wouldn't anticipate Skylar Thompson transferring. I, I didn't expect him to transfer regardless, uh, but I certainly don't now. Uh, but as for the rest of the transfers, I think time will tell. And quite frankly, I think that uh, the roster will, will stay more or less the same. <clears throat> Our next question comes from... From listener Ep, that's another one. And this is just a one one word response required here. Is the toilet paper supposed to hang in the front of the roll or behind the roll? Behind. Alright, you heard it here. <laughs> Our next question comes from listener Stevesy at SL Keck on Twitter. He asked the icon, What secret have you never told anyone? <laughs> Wow, <laughs> they're they're really looking to uh, get in here, uh, you know, into uh, into the personal. Life. I I don't I don't think I've I'm very good at keeping secrets, so he's not getting me on this one. <clears throat> okay, fair enough. Our next question comes from listener Brett Henning at Brett W Henning. If you were to cast a movie about the illustrious history of the Short Side Option podcast. What actor would you cast to play your co-host? So this is a so I think this is a question for both of us. Oh yeah, I guess so. Go ahead. Uh, Denzel Washington. For me? Yeah. Wow. I think he's he. One, I think he can capture your range, and he is. He can kind of get your stoic, uh, yet courageous uh, worldview. I think he'd be able to do a great job. You know, Denzel is one of my favorite actors, so. Uh, that's a that's a high that's high praise for me there, D. Louis. So uh, for for me, I'm gonna say uh, none other than Sam Elliott for you, a guy that mm. commands the room as soon as he walks in with his 
silky smooth, booming voice. And, uh, you know, I've seen you walk into rooms and, and capture everyone's attention, uh, you know, with your, with your presence. And uh, Sam Elliott does it the same way. So uh, Sam Elliott uh, would, be, would be my answer for you. I think that, I think that would be uh, I, I think those guys would both do a great job. Uh, our final question this week comes from listener Scotty Pippen of Parenting at Ben Trent. He has a theory on uh, what's taking place at K State right now. He asks from Baudrillard's simulacra and simulation. We know that in this age, we often experience reality before it takes place. His question is as follows. Is Pete from Goemaw laying out the steps from Snyder to Luttrell and then people reacting to the hiring before it has happened an example of this? I'll be brief. Yes. You think it, so? It absolutely is. You think he is, um, he is just putting it out into the world and people are responding to it and that's causing the steps? Wow, that's that's. Um, I think yeah, we should. I think we should all sit back and meditate on that, because it's. It might just be true. And you know, folks, this is the the kind of coverage you can only get here on the Short Side Option podcast. So that'll do it for this week on uh, the Short Side Option. But we'll be back next week uh, to review K State's. Um, we're gonna call it. We're gonna go ahead and call it a victory over the Tulsa Golden Hurricanes. And K-State uh, will we'll continue on with conference play uh, You know, as they go up uh, next week. Go can ahead. I stop you real quick? Go ahead. Is Tulsa the Golden Hurricanes or the Golden Hurricane? Uh, do you think they're the hur- Golden Hurricane? I don't know. Is well, It's like the uh, there's a few of those around the country that are just kind of humdingers. You know, you're... D. Louis, you're right. It, it is the Tulsa Golden Hurricane. They're singular, so no, no S. How many other, how many other teams? Crimson Tide, Crimson Tide, the Cardinal, the Orange, uh, the uh, Tulane Green Wave. That's right. That might be all. Can't be. There's got to be some somewhere somewhere else. Well, maybe this is something we can uh, come back with uh, next week on the we option. So if that's not a cliffhanger, I don't know what is. But uh, no cheating. Nobody look it up. Nobody look it up because we uh, we want to uh, want to make this a make this a fun one uh, for uh, for our fans. But uh, we'll be back next week uh, to look ahead, uh, review the Tulsa game, look ahead to the Georgia State game uh, next Saturday, and uh, also probably have some football information uh, that it will be signed, sealed, and delivered. Uh, of course, as we've talked about, you may as well already say it: signed, sealed, and del- delivered uh, with Pete at Goema. Uh, reporting that Seth Luttrell will be the next head coach at K-State. That'll do it all. That'll do us for this week on the short side option. Drew, is there anything you want to add? Uh, Go Cats. Go Cats. And thanks for listening to the short side option.